0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this virtual presentation of Voices of Poetry for 2020. Now, normally this would take place as the last Sunday evening event attended by all the college in our school calendar. Even if most of sixth form would be allowed to study downstairs in the library, we assemble in a darkened big, big schoolroom poems are read by pupils from all forms, and by staff, under a single spotlight in many different languages. So this term we thought we'd try to do a distance version. I hope it works. I sent out messages to various year groups for volunteers, and members of staff have also stepped forward willingly. I want to thank all the contributors as well I want to thank Mr Humphrey Jones for assisting with technical aspects and to Mr Peter McCarthy for the pleasant introductory music you've just enjoyed inevitably with 20 different people recording on as many different devices in differing rooms and acoustics there will be quite a variation in sound from piece to piece, but we've we've tried to even out the levels, and hopefully the poetry wins out in the end. You'll hear my voice again, but not after every piece. Most, but not all the readers, introduce their choice of poem. The first block starts with a few poems that seem to relate in some way to the unusual few months that have passed of late. The voices you'll hear are those of Liam Canning, Cathy Bubier, and Forum 5's Phoebe Grinnell.
1: I have chosen to read the poem Spring by Gerard Manley Hopkins. This poem was written in May 1877 after Hopkins had been walking in the Welsh countryside. The reason I have picked this sonnet Is that often walking through the Hurley gate on my way to chapel, I could hear a song thrush, high hidden among the leaves, pouring out his full range of music. Now, in a school with no students, less traffic on the roads, that song is amplified and the full power of Hopkins' mastery of sound has become even clearer to me. The poem is a sonnet, And due to the brevity of the sonnet form, Hopkins' emotions and enthusiasm are compressed, and the richness and intensity of his language are marked by that extra dimension of cascading movement, colour, and variety of sound. What Seamus Heaney called poetry rammed with life. Spring by Gerard Manley Hopkins. Nothing is so beautiful as spring When weeds in wheels shoot long and lovely and lush Thrush's eggs look like low heavens And thrush through the echoing timber Does so rinse and wring the ear It strikes like lightnings to hear him sing The glassy pear tree leaves and blooms They brush the descending blue That blue is all in a rush with richness. The racing lambs too have fair their fling. What is all this juice and all this joy? A strain of the earth's sweet being in the beginning in Eden garden? Have, get before it cloy, before it cloud. Christ, Lord, and sour with sinning, Innocent mind and mayday in girl and boy. Most, O maid's child, thy choice and worthy the winning.
2: I read this poem first when a friend in New Zealand shared it on her Facebook page. I then discovered it was written by a Dublin poet, John O'Donnell. It's entitled When. And when this ends, we will emerge shyly and then all at once, dazed, long-haired as we embraced loved ones, the shadow spared, and weep for those it gathered in its shroud. A kind of rapture this longed for laying on of hands, high cries as we nuzzle, leaning in to kiss, and whisper that now things will be different. Although a time will come when we'll forget the curves approaching wave, the hiss and sigh of ventilators, the crowded makeshift morgues. A time when we may even miss the old world arm's length courtesy, small kindnesses left on doorsteps, the drifting idle days and nights when we flung open all the windows to our ears in the darkness, our voices reaching out, holding each other, till this passes.
3: What if 2020 isn't cancelled? What if 2020 is the year we've been waiting for? A year so uncomfortable, so painful, so scary, so raw, that it finally forces us to grow. A year that screams so loud, finally awaking us from our ignorant slumber. A year we finally accept the need for change, declare change, work for change, become the change. A year we finally band together instead of pushing each other further apart. 2020 isn't cancelled, but rather the most important year of them all.
0: Let's take our first non-English poems in Italian from Sveva Cifani in Form 5, and then prepare to be roused by Peter Sue Bentheim's poem in Hungarian.
4: The poem I will read is called A Zacinto and is written by Ugo Foscolo. He talks about the island where he was born and he cannot return. Ne più mai toccherò le sacre sponde, ove il mio corpo fanciulletto giacque. Zacinto mia, che ti specchi nell'onde del greco mar, da cui vergine nacque. Venere e fea quelle onde feconde col suo primo sorriso. Onde non tacque, le tue limpidi nubi e le tue fronde l'incrito verso di colui che l'acque. Cantò fatali ed il diverso esilio, per cui bello di fama e di sventura, baciò la sua petrosa Itaca, Ulisse. Tu non altro che il canto avrai del figlio, o materna mia terra. A noi prescrisse il, il fato licramata sepoltura, Thank you.
5: Good afternoon. My name is Peter Zubentan, and I'm going to be presenting the Hungarian poem Namzatidol, meaning National Song. This poem was written by Petofi Sándor, and is said to have inspired the Hungarian revolution on the 15th of March in 1848. Petofi presented the poem on the steps of the National Museum in Budapest, in front of a large crowd, inspiring the Hungarian people to declare an end to the Austrian rule. Petőfi Sándor, Nemzeti Dal Tartra, magyar, híjj haza! Itt az idő, most, vagy soha? Rabok legyünk, vagy szabadok? Ez a kérdés, válasszatok a magyarok istenére! Es küszünk, Es küszünk, hogy a rabok tovább nem leszünk, Rabok voltunk mostanáig, Kár hozattak Kik szabadon éltek haltak, Szólt a földben nem nyughatnak. A magyarok istenére, es küszünk, Es küszünk, hogy rabok tovább nem leszünk, Se honnai itang ember. Ki most, ha kell, hajni nem, már. kinek drágább rongyélete, mint a haza pecsülete? A magyarok istenére! Esküszünk, esküszünk, hogy rabok tovább nem leszünk. Fényesebb a láncnál a kard, jobban ékesíti a kard, és mi mégis láncot hordtunk. Ide veled régi kardunk. A magyarok istenére esküszünk, esküszünk, hogy rabok tovább nem leszünk. A magyar név megint szép lesz, méltó régi nagy híréhez, mit rákentek a századok, lemosuk a gyalázatot. A magyarok istenére esküszünk, esküszünk, hogy rabok tovább, Nem leszünk, hol sírják tomborulnak, unokáink leborulnak, és áldó imádság mellett mondják el szem neveinket. A magyarok Istenére ésküszünk, ésküszünk, hogy rabok tovább nem leszünk.
0: Next. A block of 3 well-known poems in English. Barry Finn leads off with a recitation of Ozymandias followed by Cameron McKinley in Form 2 and then Arne Bradley Brady in Form 4 reads The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost
6: I met a traveller from an Antique land, who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that it's sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive, stamped on those lifeless things the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed and on the pedestal these words appear my name is Ozymandias, king of kings look on my works ye mighty and despair that is all nothing beside remains round the decay of that Colossal wreck Boundless and bare The lone and level sands Stretch far away
7: So the poem I've chosen Is called Not Waving But Drowning By Stevie Smith Um, I first heard it In the first year When we were given a list of poems To recite in class And I looked at it And I thought it was very interesting I thought it looked uh quite kind of scary quite interesting and thought-provoking and um I didn't choose it in the end but that's why I'm reading it now because I haven't recited it before properly um so it's about the author got their reasoning for this poem um from a newspaper article they saw someone had drowned and their friends I think the friends could have saved him but they thought he was waving instead he was drowning. And he eventually died. Um, And she thought of this as a representation of life. How we can kind of make our problems look like. Oh we're having a good time. We're fine. But then we will eventually drown. If we don't solve them. Um, Yeah. Not Waving. But Drowning. By Stevie Smith. Nobody heard him. The dead man, but still he lay moaning. I was much further out than you thought, and not waving, but drowning. Poor chap, he always loved larking, and now he's dead. It must have been too cold for him. His heart gave way, they said. Oh, no, 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 no. It was too cold always. Still, the dead one lay moaning. I was much too far out all my life,
8: and not waving, but drowning. The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveller. Long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy, and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference.
0: It's sad to think that this term marks the end of an era. And by this, I mean that Latin will no longer be taught in our timetable. One of the last ever pupils of the subject, Emily McCarthy, form three, will read in Latin next. And after her, you will hear the voice of the man who made it all happen for so long, my colleague, Richard Brett. Richard's final term has just ended. A peculiar term to sign off on, but we will give him a proper send-off in due course, befitting his great service to us all.
9: This poem is from the Aeneid by Virgil. The title of the poem, Mene Fugus, translates to Why are you running away from me? or Why are you fleeing from me? In this poem, Dido, Queen of Carthage, is pleading with Aeneas and asking him not to leave her. But Aeneas has been ordered by the gods to leave and found Rome, and he cannot answer her. Mene fugus. Per ego as lacrimas destramque tuam quando aliud mihi iam misere, liqui. Per conubia nostra, per inceptos Hymenaeos. Si bene quid dete meruvi, fuit aut tibi quid meum miserere domos labentis et istam oro. Siquis ad hoc precibos locos, exuimentem, saltam si quam mihi detes suspecta fuisit, ante fugam suboles. Siquis mihi parvulus ala luderet aneas, quitte tamen orare referet, non equidem omnino capta ac deserta viderer, dixerat. Ile jovis monitis immota tenebat lumina, et omnixis coram subcorde premebat.
10: For me, uh, Yeats and Auden are the great poets of the last century. Here, the latter bids farewell to the former. The poem is in three parts, but there's time only for the first. This poem contains a strange evocation of medicalized death and yet the words of a playfulness and double meaning reaching an archness with the words he became his admirers. Mm. In Memory of W.B. Yeats He disappeared in the dead of winter The brooks were frozen, the airports almost deserted, and snow disfigured the public statues. The mercury sank in the mouth of the dying day. What instruments we have agree, the day of his death was a dark, cold day. Far from his illness, the wolves ran on through the evergreen forests. The peasant river was untempted by the fashionable keys. By mourning tongues, the death of the poet was kept from his poems. But for him, it was his last afternoon as himself, an afternoon of nurses and rumours The provinces of his body revolted, the squares of his mind were empty, silence invaded the suburbs, the current of his feeling failed, he became his admirers. Now he is scattered among a hundred cities and wholly given over to unfamiliar affections to find his happiness in another kind of wood and be punished under a foreign code of conscience. The words of a dead man are modified in the guts of the living. But in the importance and noise of tomorrow, when the brokers are roaring like beasts on the floor of the bourse and the poor the sufferings to which they are fairly accustomed, and each in the cell of himself is almost convinced of his freedom. A few thousand will think of this day as one thinks of a day when one did something slightly unusual. What instruments we have agree, the day of his death was a dark
0: Day. The next block is well related only by the fact that the two readers are colleagues and both South African. Mr. Crombie and Mr. Cron introduced their choices of poem.
11: The poem I'm going to read was written by someone called Ingrid Jonker. She was a South African poet and very much an anti-establishment writer when she wrote the poem South Africa was racially segregated by a system called apartheid and what makes her writings even more impressive for me is the fact that even though her father was the chairperson for the parliamentary committee for censorship she was still willing to stand up for what she believed. Nelson Mandela beautifully described her in his first address to parliament after he became president and he described it like this. She was both a poet and a South African. She was both an Afrikaner and an African. She was both an artist and a human being. In the midst of despair, she celebrated hope. Confronted by death, she asserted the beauty of life. Now in 1960, Large demonstrations in South Africa against something called the pass laws. These were sort of a fundamental aspect of apartheid because they were designed to keep people of colour out of white areas. Non-white South Africans lost much of their freedom of movement and so they decided to protest. In Sharpeville, which is a district of Johannesburg, police opened fire on protesters killing 69 people and included in that were several children. Uh, and in Inyanga, which is a township near Cape Town, a child was who was only one and a half was also shot dead in his mother's arms. And Ingrid Jonker was quite shocked by this violence and she went down to the police station of Filippi to see the child's body and it prompted her to write a poem. The poem is called The Child is Not Dead where the child who was killed lives on as a symbol against violence and oppression. The child is not dead. The child lifts his fists against his mother, who shouts, Africa, shouts the breath of freedom and the felt in the locations of the cord and heart. The child lifts his fists against his father in the march of the generations, who shouts, Africa, shout the breath of righteousness and blood, in the streets of his embattled pride. The child is not dead, not at Langa, nor at Inyanga, not at Orlando, nor at Sharpville, nor at the police station at Philippi, where he lies with a bullet through his brain. The child is the dark shadow of the soldiers, on guard with rifles, Saracens and batons. The child is present at all assemblies and lawgivings. The child peers through the windows of houses and into the hearts of mothers. The child, who just wanted to play in the sun at Inyanga, is everywhere. The child grown to a man treks through all Africa. The child grown into a giant journeys through the whole world without a pass.
12: I'm going to read a poem by a man called Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias passed away recently on the 19th of May, and he was 74. Ravi Zacharias was an, an Indian man, and in his late teens, he attempted to take his own life. When he was in hospital after his failed attempt, uh, he was handed a Gideon's New Testament, and uh, he he read that, and that changed his life. A few years later, in his early twenties, him and a few others were in Vietnam, and working with other Vietnamese and ministering to to people on both sides of the conflict. And someone handed out, or walked up and, and handed him this poem that was that was written by a soldier in in Vietnam. And so that's the the poem that I'm going to read to you. Uh, you know, Ravi is a very famous guy. and He's written more than thirty books and. Um, just a, a very, very uh, clear and good communicator and would dedicated his life traveling around the world, just talking to people. And, but this is a, a poem that he would often read out, so um, it, it goes like this. Lord God, I've never spoken to you, but now I want to say, how do you do? You see, God, they told me you didn't exist. And like a fool, I believed all of this. Last, last night, from a shell hole, I saw your sky. I figured right then they had told me a lie. Had I taken time to see the things you made, I would have known they weren't calling a spade a spade. I wonder, God, if you'll take my hand. Somehow, I feel that you'll understand. Funny how I had, come, I had to come to this hellish place before I had time to see your face. I guess there really isn't much more to say, but I'm sure glad, God, that I met you today. I guess zero hour will soon be here, but I'm not afraid since I know you're near. The signal, well, God, I'll have to go. I like you lots, I want you to know. Look now, this will be a horrible fight. Who knows, I may come to your house tonight. Though I wasn't friendly to you before, I wonder, God, if you'd wait at your door. Look, I'm crying, I'm shedding tears, I'll have to go now, God, goodbye. Strange now, since I met you, I'm not afraid to die.
0: Now, three very different Irish poems. Nisha Murray of Form 2 played the lead in J.M. Singh's masterpiece, The Playboy of the Western World, in our junior play in February. He reads a poem by Singh next. Then, Lisa Lynch reads a poem by Martín O'Diérón, Os From enforced exile in the city, the poet longs for his home in the Aran Islands. And lastly, senior prefect Megan Bulbulia has chosen to read a famous
13: poem by William Butler Yeats. Patch Seánine by John Milton Singh Seanine and Moira Prendergast lived west in Carnaray and they'd cur dog Cabbage Plot, a goat and cock of hay. He was five foot one or two, herself was four foot ten and he went travelling, asking meal, above through Carrig Glen. She'd pick her bag of carrageen or perries through the surf or loan an ass of foxy Jim to fetch her creel of turf. Till on one windy, sound night, when there stir among the dead, he found her perished, stiff and stark, beside him in the bed. And now when Seanine travels far from Drum to hire, the woman lay him stacks her straw beside the sea of fire. And when the grey cocks crow and flap, and winds are in the sky, Oh, Moira, Moira, are you dead? You'll hear Pat Seanine cry.
14: Fuish of Yodza la Mortin Odira Fwish of Yodza shall biog garid, emask mal er Ilon mara eg shur kosh klati tronona, o luen gosahern here eg balye Fwish of Yodza shall biog garid, emask mal O Craw Cree, o fórds agna, o oígna Scork, o cháint góntaach, here ag Bale. An
15: Irish airman foresees his death by W.B. Yeats. This poem is about an Irish airman who's fighting in the First World War for the Allied side. I know that I shall meet my fate somewhere among the clouds above. Those that I fight, I do not hate. Those that I guard, I do not love. My country is Kiltartan cross, my countrymen Kiltartans poor. No likely end could bring them loss or leave them happier than before. Nor law nor duty bade me fight, nor public man nor cheering crowds. A lonely impulse of delight drove to this tumult in the clouds. I balanced all, brought all to mind. The years to come seemed waste of breath, a waste of breath, the years behind, in balance with this life, this
14: death.
0: Next, we move to some Slavic languages, read first in Czech by Phoebe Lancier in Form 2, and then by Miss Justina Piz in her native Polish.
16: I'm going to be reading a poem called May, which means May in English. It was written by a poet called Karel Mácha, who died very young in 1836. It is a very famous poem for Czechs, because on the 1st of May, they all go to the poet's statue and recite this poem. May by Karel Mácha By the První maj, večerní maj, byl lásky čas. Hrdelčin zval lásce hlas, kde borový zaváněl haj. O lásce šeptal tichý mech. Květoucí strom hlal lásky žel. Svou lásku slaví krůži pěl. It was late eve, the first in May. Even in May, it was love's hour. The turtle dove's voice called to love, where the pine grove wafting lay. Love whispered soft the quiet moss, the blossoming tree lied love's woe, and the nightingale sang love to the rose.
17: Wisława Szymborska was awarded Nobel Prize in Literature in 1996 for poetry that with ironic precision allows the historical and biological context to come to light in fragments of human reality. I will read her poem Próba, which means try. O i tak, piosenko, szedzisz ze mnie, choćbym poszła górą, nie zakwitnę różą. Różą zakwite róża i nikt nie inny. Wiesz, Próbowałam mieć liście. Chciałam się zakrzewić. Z oddechem powstrzymywanym, żeby było prędzej, oczekiwałam chwili zamknięcia się w róży. Piosenko, która nie zna nade mną, litości, mam ciało pojedyńcze, nieprzemienne w nic. Jestem jednorazowa aż do śpyku kości.
0: Now. Two poems from America introduced by their readers, Elise Williams, Form 5, and then Vivian Chute, Form 2.
14: I am Elise Williams. This is a poem written by Langston Hughes that was read aloud in a protest in LA last week by a young woman. I chose this poem to emphasize the fact that even though this poem was written about 50 years ago, the same injustices still occur and continue to occur all over the world. Ireland needs to address their issues with racism, and I believe that we are all beginning to wake up and acknowledge the racism that occurs all over the world and the guilt that comes with how silent we've all been. This poem sheds a light on how America really is for some people, and it is written in simple language. America is seen as this land of the free and equal opportunity, but it is not. I hope this poem sticks with you the way that it has for me and calls me and called me to wake up and fight for justice. I have also edited it down to fit the length requirement. Let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on the plain seeking a home where he himself is free. America was never free to me. The free? Who said the free? Not me. Surely not me. The millions on relief today. The millions shot down when we strike. The millions who have nothing for our pay. For all the dreams we've dreamed and all the songs we've sung and all the hopes we've held and all the flags we've hung. The millions who have nothing for our pay except the dream that is almost dead today. Oh, let America be America again. The land that has never been yet, and yet must be, the land where every man is free. The land that is mine, the poor man's, the Indians, the Negroes', me, who made America, whose sweat and blood, whose faith and pain, whose hand at the foundry, whose blow in the rain. Must it bring back our mighty dream again? Sure. Call me any ugly name you choose. The steel of freedom does not stain. From those who who live like leeches on other people's lives, we must take back our land again. America, oh yes, say it plain. America never was America to me. And yet I swear this oath, America will be out of the rake the rack and ruin of our gangster death, the rape, the rot of of graft, the stealth and lies. We, the people, must redeem the land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains and the endless pain, all the stretch of the great green states and America again. I chose the poem, There Will Come Soft Rain, by Sarah
18: Teasdale, because I felt it expresses the brutality of war from the eye of nature. It discusses the matter of how life is capable to continue on without humans. It also portrays a meaning that mankind will not be missed, as their actions have displayed an avaricious affair that diminishes the value of nature. There will come soft rain and the smell of ground, And swallows circling with their shimmering sound, And frogs in the pools singing at night, And wild plum trees in tremelous white. Robins will wear their feathery fire, Whistling their whims on a low fence wire, And not one will know of the war, Not one will care at last when it is done, not one would mind neither bird nor tree if mankind perished utterly. And spring herself, when she woke at dawn, would scarcely know that we were gone.
0: Well, that's almost it. We finish with poems now. Read by an old Columban, who happens to be sub-warden, Mr. Julian Gerda. And by a future Columban, Master Alex O'Herlihy, Miss Robinson's son. I'll leave the last words to these two pillars of the community. And enjoy the rest of your day, wherever you're listening.
19: poem I'm going to read is from a book which is about a year old. It's by the English Trinidadian poet Roger Robinson and it's called A Portable Paradise. The book has been a great success, it has won several awards, and this poem in particular, which is the title poem, which comes right at the end of the collection, really does speak to a lot of people nowadays, perhaps forever. So here is A Portable Paradise by Roger Robinson. And if I speak of paradise, then I'm speaking of my grandmother who told me to carry it always on my person, concealed, so no one else would know but me. That way they can't steal it, she'd say. And if life puts you under pressure, trace its ridges in your pocket, smell its piney scent on your handkerchief, hum its anthem under your breath. And if your stresses are sustained and daily, get yourself to an empty room, be it hotel, hostel or hovel. Find a lamp and empty your paradise onto a desk, your white sands, green hills and fresh fish. Shine the lamp on it like the fresh hope of morning and keep staring at it till you sleep.
9: He Wishes for Clothes of Heaven by W.B. Yeats. Had I the heavens embroidered clothes in with golden and silver light, the blue and the dim and the dark cloths, of night and light and the half-light, I would spread the clothes under your feet, but I, being poor, have only my dreams. I have spread my dreams under your feet, Tread softly because you tread on my dreams.